Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rolling. I'm right there. We're, we're gonna get started. Welcome to the Interloop Radio. I'm Rachel Koontz. And I'm Courtney Sexton. We're here in the brush. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, please remember to subscribe to our podcast, this podcast. Uh, leave us a review and check out our website at theinnerloopmoment.org. For any new listeners out there here on the Interloop Radio, we delve into all things creative writing, whether that be inspiration or craft, publishing or editing, how to make a living, or just how we all sit down each day in front of an empty page. Pages. <laughs> Sometimes we play clips of local writers reading their work at our monthly reading series that has been virtual for the past year. Uh, other times we invite those writers as well as other members of the literary community to join our discussion. On today's show, Courtney and I are celebrating the end of quarantine. I mean, where's the champagne though? You promised. I know. <laughs> she, she was like, you want champagne? champagne. And then I said, yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's just a little premature. Maybe. We're, you know, we're celebrating the, yeah. that slow opening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But here we are all vexed up, face to face for the first time in an entire year. We really miss each other. Yeah, um, and I'm straight up giddy. I've been like, super giddy the last few days seeing real people in real life. Yeah, I mean, like, you're usually the one who's like, give me my space. I know, I don't want to <laughs> see people. No, um, I mean, it's great. We're not all going out, you know, willy-nilly just yet. We have to take freedom. I know, so, I know. I kind of want to, like, go out on the town, but I'm not allowed yet. Right? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I know there's a lot of things to be figured out so far, but we're getting we are there is progress in there and we can see the light each other in the tunnel. It's exciting. We're happening. We're all fully vaxxed. No, I mean we are. That's why we're here in front of each other. Okay. Yeah, Courtney and I are vaxxed up. We're safe. Um so anyway, I thought Are you safe? Are we safe? Um I thought I thought we would talk about how y'all made it through this crazy year. Um, you know, in terms of writing. So, did you curl up in a little ball and tell your best friend to wake you up when it was over? A little bit, maybe. Did you binge watch Tiger King and take three hot baths a day, like me? Uh, I know you took the three hot baths, and I'm pro that, but, like, I had a hardcore no what? on the Tiger King. What? Okay, we I need to not talk about this that after the show. No, no, no. <laughs> but it's so many minutes, I can't even, can't even begin. Um, or was it just a crazy whirlwind of balancing work and childcare, self-care, romance, maybe? Could you squeeze romance. romance in? <laughs> no, none of us did. Um, sometimes the tip you could do all at once, which is always awkward. Uh, <laughs> was writing you hey, baby, option. want a baby? <laughs> Got a baby? Let's make a baby. But you totally heard about people, how people were like, yeah, 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 the whole thing. Yeah. Whole thing. Um, so how about you, Court? How did your quarantine writing... Go. 
Did it go? Was it there? Um, you know, my life, like many people's, came to like a full stop, and it had been kind of going in an unsustainably insane way prior to um with very little time and multi- for writing to the past. <laughs> so um one of the things one of the only things that was kind of left for me was writing um but it, it was obviously maybe not obviously for me it was hard to be motivated especially in the beginning when kind of trying to wrap our heads around everything mm-hmm. um I know I ran into another writer and I was like we were talking about our experiences and we were both like, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have writing. Yeah. Like I would have lost my mind if I couldn't turn to writing and I couldn't also see people. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, I would have remodeled the whole house. I would have <laughs> Which is you know, not, <laughs> not the worst, but <laughs> yeah, no, I felt also very fortunate that, um, a couple of the outlets that I write for, uh, were able to get some of those small business loans and, and hire me to do some, some writing for work so that was a double benefit because mm-hmm. a lot of my other work was no longer existed <laughs> so but it was challenging you know like with some of the stuff it was like i'm writing about cocktail recipes who mm. gives a fuck about cocktail recipes mm-hmm. when the world's burning the down world's ending. right um i mean i think it was like that on big projects too like, yeah i personally was working on my book that i've been working on for 10 years and I actually, like, was consistently working on it every day, but it was also hard each day to sit mm-hmm. down and be like, somebody cares about, you know, yeah. <laughs> my life, my life, my <laughs> life, my world, <laughs> yes. or one day they will, um, but yeah, it felt very culturally in yeah. Well, yeah. comparison to everything that was going on this year, not just the quarantine, but the Black Lives Matter movement, and, totally. yes. you know, the presidency change-up and everything just felt so intense all the time and was like why why am I even writing about right or what do I write about like what where does my voice fit in does it fit in yeah yeah how why (laughs) big question (laughs) (laughs) yeah no and then I mean over the last summer I did a lot of science writing and that was great that actually kept me as you were saying, same. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to hear how what it was like to do your you know, writing assignments in a virtual basis. Did it feel different? Yeah, that was, it, it was, so what I was working on at that point was a fellowship that was meant to be structured, having like science writers in a newsroom all over the country. And mm-hmm. I was with um, Smithsonian Magazine, which I live here in DC. So that was a hometown for me, but the whole program went, went virtual, obviously. Right. Um. So we didn't have the camaraderie, uh, which I think is what, I think everyone lost in, you know, the work from home thing. Um, mm. You didn't have that spitballing of ideas or shooting the shit with editors or the kind of face-to-face little things that inspire like, oh yeah, there's the thread through that story. I hadn't thought about that. So totally. finding mm. ways to adapt to that and not feeling siloed, especially for stuff that I'm like, yeah, I've done science writing for a long time, but a lot of this stuff and the style were things that I hadn't done before, so I needed guidance. Yeah. Um, and it is always like, some. I feel like it's something that you forget as a writer, that talking about things out loud is totally, actually extremely fruitful. Totally. You know, like, I've been, like, slogging away in the book by myself, obviously, um, in the quarantine, but then on the occasion that I go to my partner and I'm like, you know, here's 
um, an aspect of the book I've been working on or an idea I had, and it's not fully fleshed out. And it would normally take me like five days of walking um, to yeah. sort it out inside my own head. Do a little pandemic walk. <laughs> keep walking. Um, it took five five minutes talking about out talking about it out loud yes. with my partner. Um, and I'm like, God, you forget how important it is to like, you know, get things out, even if they're not fully fleshed out, because it I'm helps that kind of writer who waits until everything is perfect in my head oh, to yeah. like start writing <laughs> one of those. Um, but talking is such a, you know, important part of writing. Yes. I would say. Yeah. And I, I would think so, especially for, um, these bigger yeah yeah um so we used we used slack a lot i was very anti-slack pre-covid and you were (laughs) i've been converted um that was very helpful um a lot of virtual meetings um i will say editors made themselves very accessible which was awesome yeah i did them at at times um Mm And then, like, for my other, just, like, creative writing, I had a couple pieces I was working on. I lost my grandmother last spring, not from COVID, but in the height of COVID, and that was a weird thing. Um, but had kind of finished, ended up writing a personal essay for the first time that I felt really good about for the first time in a long time. And Congratulations. Thank you. Had a, similarly, like, ha- had to reach out to a friend, actually Tim Denebi, who was one of our feature readers yeah. in the past, um, a great nonfiction writer, and I was like, hey, can you just read this? Because I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, there's like all these things happening in the world and in my head, and is this even anything? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I probably did uh, somehow on average more writing than I've done in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a struggle every minute of it. Oh, well, what else is I mean, it always is, right? <laughs> but like, in a different way. Yeah, no, I feel you. And I think what you're saying is reminding me of our events, mm-hmm. which um, had to go virtual all last year. And I, I just feel like there was a trade-off um, because you lose the intimacy of being face-to-face with other writers, which right. is such a magical experience. But you, what you get in return is accessibility. You get to access writers from around the world, you know, different locations, totally. our friends of York, and people who are reading their families across the globe could tune in and listen. Yeah, that was really awesome. And yeah, so there's this interesting trade-off where it's like, you know, you want the intimacy, but you do get a little something in return. Sure. Um, and that's what you were saying was reminding me of that because you have access to editors, you can jump on Slack, you get more sort of access to different people that you might not have been able to get face-to-face time had you been in person. Absolutely, and I feel like people were, like, remarkably, we were all, or not maybe not all, but, like, we were craving those moments, and so we were making the space for them in ways that we hadn't before where we would take advantage of, like, oh, I can see them anytime, I can talk, like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Get away from me. Don't look at me. I hate mornings. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> so I usually am in person. <laughs> no, for sure. I found that I found that in, in the academic community too, like it's a similar, you know, a parallel, but I started connecting with people in my field all over the world. And like just like people were really open to just being like, Oh yeah, I just randomly sent you a tweet and they're like, Hey, what are you working on? And then I end up like FaceTiming with someone. Isn't it ironic like, that we don't have like it requires having yes 
being so far away from people to realize like how special it is just human interaction and the fact that we share things with people yeah yeah and it's like another writer let's chat (laughs) oh my god you write too cool this is so cool um well anyway courtney and i aren't the only writers who had to figure out how to write through the pandemic um and during the last season of the interlude radio we were very Honored to have a lot of writers from our community come on the show um, and talk firsthand about how they stayed inspired. More on that in a moment. Welcome back to the Inner Loop Radio. We've been discussing how we all made it through the quarantine as writers, and now we'd like to turn to our community. In 2020, we had the privilege of having 20 different writers from, <laughs> from the community do podcast takeovers right here on Inner Loop Radio to share how they were staying inspired during all of the madness and unrest, uh, etc., of quarantine world. And it really was magical. The episodes that came out of that were so beautiful and intimate, and it was inspiring to feel like we weren't alone in the struggle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you can catch that entire series on soundcloud.com slash the inner loop But for now, we are going to share a few of our favorite moments from the series um, and chat about them. Let's start with poet Jose Padua, who gives us a glimpse into his home life and his writing life and shows us how the two can work off each other. I work at home, as do a lot of us lately, though I've been working at home now for the past 13 years. Nowadays, with the pandemic, my wife is working at home, too, and my kids are here as well, doing school online. They usually wake up a little earlier than me, and by the time I've made my way to the kitchen, my wife and teenage daughter have had their coffee, and my nine-year-old son has had his cereal or pancakes or whatever my wife can manage to get him to eat for breakfast. What gets me into the kitchen after them is my obsessive-compulsive need to rid the sink of dirty dishes before I can retrieve a clean coffee cup. As I wash the morning dishes, my mind begins to open up. It begins to take me places. One recent morning, I wondered what my poet's friends' names would be if they weren't poets but professional wrestlers instead. Then, another day, as I wiped the residue of eggs off of a frying pan, I thought about Franz Kafka, especially his classic novella, The Metamorphosis, in which the protagonist, Gregor Samsa, wakes up one morning to find himself transformed into a giant insect. I continued with this line of thought, wondering how Samza might have found himself transformed in this manner when an invention and the opening of a poem came to me. So I would say that I relate to Jose and that like my number two activity for inspiration is doing dishes. (laughs) (laughs) Walking and dishes. Walking first and then dishes. You know what? I I really don't mind. We have a dishwasher, but like I almost prefer doing dishes by hand because it's very meditative. It is so meditative. And you know what they say about like distracting the right brain or whichever brain, the bad brain. (laughs) The bad brain? What? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I just mean like, because 
I'm I'm very um OCD and yes. like like yes. he's saying and yeah, so yeah, yeah. it distracts the perfectionist part of you so that you can let it wander um, yeah, yeah and your mind wanders yeah. and I I just really loved that clip not only because it gave us like an intimate look into his life yeah but um that it was like so demonstrative of of being able to be inspired the in process. like the mundanity of yes. quarantine like we're all just stuck in the same four walls basically yeah like trying to figure out how to like <laughs> And I mean, for him, it seems like it almost like forced creativity differently. Like it's like you you're you have to let your imagination do something because there's nothing else to do, right? Like yeah. Like what if my poet friends have <laughs> we're wrestler names, wrestler names, you know? And it's like that's random. Yeah. Um, I also love that because Jose um takes these really cool photos of just like common things throughout the day. His photos are so great, yeah. right? And pairing them with the words is I'm just thinking in my mind about it. Anyway, yeah, totally great one. Um. um well, <laughs> well uh, next we are going to hear how nonfiction writer Kyoko Mori balances the uncertainty of writing with a stable routine. So kind of along the same lines. Right? Yes. I have a simpler relationship with exercise than with my writing. It's something I do every day that I enjoy in a straightforward, mindless way. Even on a really cold or hot day, I look forward to going outside to run. And weightlifting is satisfying for its steady feeling of accomplishment. By the time I'm sitting down with my coffee, a bowl of blueberries and yogurt, like the two cats I live with, I eat the same things every morning. I'm ready to plunge back into my writing. Writing is more like swimming than it is like running. The activity feels at once natural and completely unnatural. When it's going well, I feel like I could almost breathe underwater. When it's not, I become extremely aware of the fact that I can only breathe when my head comes out. I have to simultaneously explore what's in my head and scrutinize what's on the page. I cannot decide which is more overwhelming, the words on the page or the thoughts in my head. I picture myself diving into a pool to swim a lap, jumping out and plunging into the ocean, crawling out to return to the pool over and over again. Even though I'm totally stationary at my desk, I feel more exhausted than I do after a long run. I don't write every day because I need to have a long stretch of time in order to focus. On the days I write, that's pretty much all I do. I never was much of a multitasker anyway. Besides, in order to embrace uncertainty in my writing, I need stability. Starting the day the same way, eating the same breakfast, sitting down at the same desk where I wrote the last essay, story, or book that I'd finished. I've only had two writing desks in nearly 40 years. Yeah, no, I relate. It's funny, on like some levels, I'm not with that with Kyoko. Like, <laughs> first of all, I love the swimming in underwater, underwater like metaphor analogy. Yeah, 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 whatever. That it's is. so perfect. So perfect. Um, but I do totally get the. I'm also like a not write every day, but write in long spurts person. Mm-hmm. And I have these routines that I do that put me in. Which is scientifically mode. proven, yes. by the way. Like, I'm like, this is my writing sweater. This is yep. the place where I go yes. to do writing. And it's like those cues of the environment that really tell me, okay, here's how you're going to be productive. Yeah, I totally u- utilized that over the past year because yeah. I worked from home for a long time, right. right before the quarantine. And it was 
I was not writing at all. Yeah. And every time I would sit down at the computer, my brain would go into like get shit done mode. Yes. And so I would like look at the calendar and my to-do list and like my emails and start checking things off the list. And that was the mode that I yeah. got into. So I ended up buying two desks. Or buying a new desk, which is actually just a little roll top desk. Okay. But I designated a space in the office, which was just for writing. Okay. And then I have like a do, a do get all shit done kind of desk. tasks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it worked. Like all you have to do is just keep at it and yeah. keep, and make sure you don't do anything else at that in that space in that or space in that, yeah. or with the routine. Like you're mm-hmm. saying, put the sweater on, do the thing. And um, Kyoko was saying like she does this and then this and yeah. then this the and same breakfast, um, but, yeah. Your mind will, it just, it's like a shortcut to get Mm -hmm. your mind in the, get you in the mood and get your mind in the right space. So yeah, I mean that and like exercising, totally. like I've learned to love, I used to hate all like exercising, but I've learned to love it as a writer because it's like one thing that's so straightforward. Like I used to love math for this reason. It's like one plus one is two. Well, until you get to like, you know. We're not talking about like uh, (laughs) non-Euclidean geometry. Oh my god. Oh my god. Which I also love to like. How do like, and stuff? I was like, but why? But why though? It used to I be so good. Why? It used to just be. Now why? Yeah, just, um, but yeah, just the simplicity. Again, the repetitive yes. movement. And, yeah. and your body comes to expect that too. I think and they, in yoga, you know, as you're doing it daily, you know, I, I lapse with my practice, I go in and out of it, but. When I'm, I find that when I'm doing it regularly, your body knows the movement before you've even thought about it. Totally. Yeah. And the other thing is it like teaches you endurance, mm-hmm. which is totally translatable yep. to writing. You because can do writing, anything for you're a minute. just you like, can do oh anything my God. for two minutes. You yeah. can do anything for, yeah. And you're for like, a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to just like stop thinking about the end and think about yeah. the next step and the next step. And um, yeah, I just feel like learning endurance surprisingly physical endurance and mental endurance is like the same muscle totally yeah yeah so we're in <laughs> we're in for that um, so we heard from a poet and a non-fiction writer and now we have fiction writer uh rian Am- amokar damn it i get it wrong every time rian scott everybody rian scott um rian amokar scott he talks about how we can go easy on ourselves while still continuing the impulse to write, which is important. So what I came to, what what a, the understanding that I came to was that I, I'm just going to write a sentence a day. Um, I'm going to write in my journal about, about my life and about how I feel. Um, and when it comes to fiction, I'm just going to write a sentence. It might be more than a sentence. Uh, I, you know, this uh, this writing prompt that I did, thanks to this podcast, I, I wrote more than a sentence. So I'm, I'm done with my quota for the day. Um, but when it comes to fiction, I'm, I'm going to write a sentence. And when I started doing that, I wrote a really great sentence um, that, the day, and I was satisfied and happy. The next day, I wrote a pretty mediocre sentence. I think the day after that, well, yesterday, I wrote a terrible sentence. But it was, it was true. It was how I felt. Um, and it's fine. Um, and uh, if, if it ever appears in in my final work, um, it'll be worked over. The other thing is, uh, I was I've been working on so many different projects. I decided, um, you know, with this novel that I'm working on, it's, I'm just working on the prologue right now. So I'm not gonna not gonna worry about anything else. I'm not gonna worry about the whole scope of it. It's just the prologue. If I'm writing a short story, you know, it's just the, uh, um, you know, it's, it's just a sentence at a time. Um, so. Um, I'm writing these sentences, and um, and and that's and and that's fine. That's gone a long way uh, to easing my anxiety, easing my um, 
easing easing any frustration that I've had with myself. And it's all about taking it easy on yourself. You know, I have um really good at beating up myself. Really good at at saying, "Hey, you you haven't written. Um, what's wrong with you? Um, the whole idea that you need to write every single day, um, is not um it, it's not realistic. No one writes every single day. Um, but it's also just not um it's not sustainable. Um, it's a it's a very uh, mercenary sort of you know, sort of capitalistic way uh to to look at this um this writing thing which to me uh is the closest thing to a spiritual journey that i'm that i'm gonna have i love that he likens writing to a spiritual journey <laughs> but it is because there are like faces in that right where it's like there's doubt there's you know there's 100 you know, percent passion there's you know rebirth yada 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 anyway um but yeah, I can totally relate to being really good at being myself up. Mm. <laughs> I think all, I think that's just writers are fascinating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of right. Um, no, but I love that. The, the my favorite thing about um, Rion's episode was that he talked a lot about all the different things that were inspiring him, mm-hmm. like music and TV shows and um, mm-hmm. books that he's reading, and and just allowing himself to like draw inspiration from everything instead mm-hmm. of feeling the pressure that you have to be reading like five mm-hmm. you know five books a week you have to be writing every day like he's saying it's that's like a very capitalistic way of looking at yeah. it which our society like really drives us toward um but it's much more like the seeping and the percolate and all of that. the yeah like absorption of things is a big part of the process that i yeah. think gets uh a short end of the stick a lot. It's a short end of the stick. Well, I love too that he's like breaks it down and makes it thing makes it, you know, put it into pieces that are attainable, right? If you think about the whole piece right. that you're working on, of course you're gonna melt in anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're like, if I write literally two words today, I did something. Yeah. And that I can mark. Yeah. And if you write a sentence a day, that's 365 seconds. Don't. No, no. Don't even. Don't even. <laughs> don't I can't even <laughs> No, but I, I love it because it's like you can take good care of yourself, but yeah. not like lose the thread. Yes. Which I'm, I feel I've done before in my writing life. Like I've sure. lost the writing thread. Sure. And, and then there are a lot of missed opportunities. Well, I think because when you do, if you can even keep it like, fraying it's okay <laughs> but when you lose it and have to start over again it's from the beginning it's a, yeah it's a little harder so to hear more of jose kyoko rian and the rest of our amazing writers from the quarantine inspiration series check out our episodes from july to december right here on interloop radio up next rachel and i will try out one of the props from the series and then torture you with the results <laughs> so stick around
doing it, but then like afterwards, I've I've actually ended up writing a couple of pieces that have come from them. Right? So I've totally incorporated these little some of them into my um, book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I I know it's cheesy. It's so cheesy, but I do really love writing prompts, <laughs> and it's all I. It's actually through this podcast that I discovered that because yeah. I am the kind of writer who'd be like. <laughs> Please. I don't need I don't, I don't need a stupid thing. <laughs> um but it really like gets me out of my own way. Yes. In a way it's like again a shortcut to yes. like getting me to just stop like thinking about where is this going, what is this about, what am I trying to say, all the things that like just get in the way of creativity. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, here's something to write, you have two minutes just to think about it. it, now write it. And you can't like obsess. And anytime I can obsess. <laughs> things it just means yeah I mean even if you some of them I sit here and think for half of our two or five minutes or whatever right but at least it's getting me doing something right yeah and it's yeah again continuing that impulse to write I also love it because you never know like I feel like I never know what I'm gonna write down I actually end up writing about motherhood a lot which I you do which I can't actually do in my writing life I never write about that that's funny yeah so it's like this little window into something a little inaccessible still in my conscious I, brain. I, you know what? I different but different but similar. Different. Um, <laughs> I end up reverting a lot to like memoir-ish stuff when I do these prompts, yeah. which is not what I predominantly write in my quote writing life right. currently either. So yeah. Yeah. so it changes things up. Cool, change cool. it up. <laughs> Um, okay, so the prompt that Cordy and I wrote on just before we started recording the show um, was from the episode with Art Taylor in the Quarantine Inspiration series, in which he asks us to use a song as inspiration for a story, which I knew Courtney would love. She's I a do. big music gal. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, this one I thought was going to be really hard, but I just like I went with it. Well, it's funny because I was thinking about some of the pieces you've read to me from your larger project right now recently that do have music incorporated. I actually have to restrain myself of like not just writing down music lyrics yes. to like express my teenage self. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was kind of the question I had too. Like, it's like, are we right? Because I'm not a fiction writer. So it's like when we're listening to the song, is it, are we you know, writing a story out of a lyric that we hear or a feeling or the sound or or the rhythm. Well, there are so many ways like you can take it. Exactly. I started, even when I sat down to do this one, I started overthinking it. And then I was like, I'm just going to listen and see what comes to mind. And the thing that I wrote seems really tangential, um, but I have a lot of explainer behind it. <laughs> well, I, my big hurdle with this one was to be like, oh my god, I can't just pick one song. I know. Also, Courtney was like, how dare you ask me to pick one song? Also, like, <laughs> I don't want people, like, you know, I'm just, how do you judge based on, oh god, I'm like, not articulating <laughs> it all. I'm like, this is the kind of music I listen to. I don't want you to know that don't part judge of my me. soul. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Also, so, uh, apropos, I was writing in a notebook. You can't see it, but I'm holding it up as if you could. <laughs> a notebook that's made out of an old record, a Bruce Springsteen record. Hey, is, that's uh, a classic writer, is, artist, yes. music lover. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, Courtney and I spent actually ten minutes. We were supposed to have five minutes, but yeah. we could stop writing. Um, and we haven't edited these at all, so they're totally raw. Um, 
Who wants to go? You want me to go first this time? Or? Um, I I have a lot of scratch outs and things. I was I was thinking and writing at the same time, but I will happily try to. Uh, All right. Can you tell us what song you chose? It's a couple different songs. No, no, because they they <laughs> they come together. So okay, fair, fine. It's a lot of women of the 80s music. <laughs> I was thinking about my mom and like, you know, I, those early music influences that I forget about sometimes. Like I'm talking like, so like who? Like Gloria about? Estefan. Okay. Um, you know, Whitney Houston, of course, but Carly Simon. Okay. And there were a lot of like cleaning day in my house. <laughs> Always had like, oh, had the, like yeah. big old fuzzy stereo speakers mm-hmm. and my mom would, would blare it throughout. We had this big old house and it would just like echo around and I was like, I don't know, I can still hear and see all that. Anyway. Nice. So women of the 80s. I love it. Anyway. Um, okay. When we were setting up our restaurant in either her bedroom or the porch, uh, Rosie Rainbows, if it were the former, Sunflower Cafe, the latter. <laughs> Julie and I would argue over who was better, Taylor Dane or Gloria Estefan. Julie was the Taylor Dane fan. She liked Gloria okay, but at her house after school, odds were the cassette when the that when the cassette clicked, Taylor would urge us to tell it to her heart, tell her she's the only one from a framed autographed photo on the dresser that watched us as we set up for our customers. Early in the evening, I'd head out across the backyard for home where my mother would be would be getting real dinner ready. And this is where I trail off and it's something about thinking. <laughs> thinking about how we would later take a ride in the Miata with the top down if it were warm enough to pick up my brother from soccer practice and the smell of honeysuckle would filter over us as as Carly Simon sang, me and Jenny twinkle like Crystal and Penny. Lovely. I like your memoiric oh, there's, there's something, <laughs> something in there. There's maybe. something there. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny in my memoir, you know, you always write the first draft. It's such garbage. Um, but... I end up like cutting things out and then going back and putting them back oh, in. Oh, yeah. But like, you know, a revised version. But I realize, you know, all the things that you put in is for a reason, even though you don't, you don't know, know why it yet. yet. Mm-hmm. And you need to like figure it out and go back and make it more purposeful. Mm-hmm. But I just realized like none of it do I really want to cut. I just want to like refine and figure out why my brain went there. Went there. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that was a lovely little glimpse of this baby court. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I chose The Weekend. (laughs) I was for you, Corday. Everyone, we're sorry we're laughing so much. This is a, a. Inside joke. Inside joke. No, Courtney had no idea who the weekend was. Well, I didn't know. Ago, I had which is no just idea. unacceptable. <laughs> um, and I had to explain. But anyway, I love. Them. I knew a lot and of those the, their music. I just didn't know who they were. I just didn't know that it was them. Yes, him. Yeah. I guess the they, person. I don't know. Um, so anyway, I chose uh, his cover of "Dirty Diana" nice. by Michael Jackson. Okay, because I love that song. Um, because I feel like while while he's singing it, he does a verse. He does like a whole the first third of it, a la Michael Jackson, just to be like, 
I can do that. Just so you know. Just in case you were like <laughs> tuning in to see if this was possible. Yes, okay. I can sound just like Michael. And then the second third, he does it in his classic voice. Awesome. Um, and style. And I think this is the one you played for me. When you I were think I did. I think yeah. I've yeah. already like explained this whole rant to you. No, but, um, but <laughs> yeah. So then he's like, I could do it just the way like my hero mentor did it, but here's how I would do it. Um, and it's beautiful. Like I played it for my partner and he's like, no, 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 no covers of Dirty Day. And I it's like his favorite Michael mm-hmm. Jackson song. It's like, you know, um, a, adulterated version right, or something. Right. But when I played it for him, he's like, Oh. <laughs> well, and I love that idea of homage, right? And I think we do exactly. that as, as writers, writers too, right. right? We're constantly trying to emulate those writers who yes. we adore. And it's such a big part of the journey as a writer to mm-hmm. practice emulating. And then figure your out heroes. how you... And then yeah. branching out from that. You yeah. have to realize, like, that's not where you stop. Right. You know, there's another step. Right. right. So, and you are different. You yeah. have something else that's to offer. And it's this. the selfhood. Okay, yeah. so that's how I'm saying right. you're, you're All right. I'm I'm the here. <laughs> with the weekend. Um, so that's, yeah, you're connecting the threads because this is going to seem so tangential. But, you're, right. you're, but you're, you've already done it. Okay, you've already explained <laughs> the connection. Right. Great. Yeah. Um, my daughter looks in the mirror and says, I don't like my hair. I want hair like Elsa. My stomach falls. How do I respond? I thought I'd have more time to contemplate how to keep my daughter from tumbling down the familiar path of self-hatred. I'd be able to utilize carefully crafted TV shows, music, books, movies, uh, cultural icons to teach her to appreciate herself. She's three, mixed race, with light brown tendrils of curls and natural sun-kissed ends. Of course, I think she's beautiful. Of course, my opinion doesn't matter. (laughs) How do I distill the complexities of selfhood into a single, understandable concept for a toddler who still feels, who still sees everything in two dimensions? I am one thing to her, mother. It will take decades for her to understand that I am also woman, writer, daughter, sister, neighbor, friend, beautiful, ugly, delighted, angry, vengeful, and creative, loving, and dangerous. That the self that I am is a thousand million layers of heroes like Elsa, discarded selves, and newly adopted versions of me. How do I convey what selfhood is and why it's lovable? You want blonde, straight hair so you can look like Elsa, I repeat her wish out loud, turning to her reflection in the mirror. Yes, she says. But if you look like Elsa, who will look like Jordan, I ask her. She looks thoughtfully at herself, a smirk creeping across her face. I love that. That was like a perfect mom moment. So hard. So hard. So hard. I love the the, uh, moment in there when you said about discarded selves mm-hmm. right because we are in a i mean we are in a sense always reinventing and sometimes for better sometimes for worse or whatever but those those vestiges of us but they're all still there they're all, exactly like under the surface exactly you know mm-hmm. and of course i've been thinking about that a lot with my memoir oh my goodness yes this old self that i've been like <laughs> meditating on for 10 years also the idea of like you know the binary you are just one of two you know you are mother and that's it yeah it's like, exactly. you know we're still trying to 
even with my, you know, I'm not a mother, but even with my own mother, I don't think there's ever a moment when you're like, oh, you're a human too. You yeah. know, you're like, <laughs> that's such that's an ongoing process and it's exactly. always emerging. You know, there are still new things. My mom is still my best friend, which is, you know, wonderful and terrible and all of these things at once, but like, there are still things that I learn about her all of the time. And I'm like, oh, that's right, because... You're not just my mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so yeah. that's awesome. Well, that's our show. <laughs> <laughs> Stop there. I want to say uh, for all of you, we've been recording here from Rachel's home studio <laughs> that she created. Um, yeah, I, like, I got rid of all the dirty laundry. It's over there. It's beautiful. <laughs> and I'm just laughing Of this. <laughs> Loveliness. Happy writing, everyone. Right on.